Hello, welcome to Canadian Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to stories from those who have already been there and what they did in your shoes. Hey guys, it's Jeremy, host of the Deal Deep Dive. I wanted to celebrate a milestone here with you guys. We've now crossed a thousand downloads. And in order to thank you guys, what I want to do is actually give away. What we're going to do is for the first five people who share this episode and tag me in it on Facebook are actually going to be entered into a drop for a $25 gift certificate to Home Depot. All you got to do is share this episode and tag me in it over on Facebook. Now, let's get back to the learning. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today. So Anthony, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? And how'd you get started in real estate investing? For sure. Yeah. So I started as a real estate investor around 10 years ago in Calgary. Um, I moved to Quebec in 2011 uh, and shortly after was looking to buy a property for myself. Uh, I was looking for a condo at the time because that's what I, that's what I could afford. Uh, and after looking at Tons of condos, I kind of realized that's not really what I wanted. Like I, I like to have some space, some land, you know, it's not not really my type of property. And the light bulb kind of came on that I could buy a semi-detached property with a basement suite, rent the basement, and that was actually cheaper in a condo. Like the payments were going to be cheaper, right? Uh, I wasn't an investor at the time. I didn't grow up in that kind of space. Uh, but the light bulb came on and I, I purchased uh, semi-detached with a basement suite. So that was kind of my uh, introduction to real estate investing. I essentially did house hacking without knowing really like what I was doing. So like a lot of people, right? Accidental house hacking and then you realize how good it is. So it sounds very fair. Uh, I actually started as an accidental landlord and then accidentally house hacked in a very similar fashion that you did. That you did. So I'm a big fan of it here myself. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are you doing currently? Uh, so right now I work as a real estate, uh, sorry, a real estate investor focused uh, realtor. Um, so I work with investors either starting, trying to buy their first property or trying to grow their portfolio down the road. Um, we help people sell their investment properties as well. So that's what I spend most of my time on. Uh, and then I'm still obviously uh, doing real estate investing, buying more properties. I'm full, full time into real estate and some some fashion. Uh, so all my days are spent either investing for myself or helping other people invest. It sounds fair. And I know you do uh, a ton of market research here as well. Um, I, over the years, actually, that uh, you and I have known each other, uh, I've been a huge fan of the, some of the research that you put out on uh, some of those real estate forums. So thank you very much. I Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's been wonderful. I appreciate it. So what was the best deal you've ever done? So best deal by far um, is a property we purchased around less than two years ago now in Airdrie. Um, now I've never spent a lot of time looking at the Airdrie market to be honest, right? And I think it's the case for a lot of people investing in Calgary is we kind of look inside the city and kind of discount sometimes the uh, communities around it. Uh, but I found a great property uh, via Facebook actually. It was a, a property listed on market, but I saw it come on Facebook a day before it was listed, uh, like set to be listed on market, uh, which helped me to get a bit of a head start. Uh, and the property I could see right away was incorrectly priced. Uh, it was a property with a backyard suite, 
but the bungalow, which there isn't a lot of those, like they're often two-story homes with the backyard suite, uh, like a garage suite. So they're hard to price. I don't blame the realtor on this. It's, it's difficult to price, but in my opinion, the value was much higher. So we jumped on it right away, uh, purchased the property. Uh, within four months, we were able to refinance $75,000 more than we paid. Uh, without doing any work. I mean, we spent like a thousand dollars just to fix some walls and that was it, you know, like pretty much turnkey. Um, and the property on top of it, cash flows like extremely well. Uh, we're getting uh, $4,800 rent right now on that property. Uh, and our mortgage is 1,700. So it's, uh, it's a unicorn property. Those are hard to find. That was by far my best deal. Love that deal. Um, it's also the first deal I did with my dad, which is great. It's his first property, so he got a good one to get started. Um, yeah, that that awesome property. Like, it's going to be one that you know will hold forever, essentially, because it's just a cash cow. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. I'm very glad to hear it. And turnkey as well, right? It doesn't always have to be a garbage property that you buy and renovate to increase appreciation there there is good deals to be had on market and there's good deals to be had turnkey as well you just have to find the, the right ones absolutely out of curiosity what kind of tenant profile are you seeing in that uh that garage suite uh it's usually single people or couples with no kids because uh, obviously it's a smaller space it's only 630 square feet however it's very well laid out uh so it's a one bedroom but it's got uh, vaulted ceilings and kind of recoil angles. It, it looks cool and it feels bigger than it actually is. Uh, and there's also a double wall garage included. So it fits in a very weird space in the market where it's great for someone that doesn't need a whole lot of space and also needs storage or garage or something like that. Like there's essentially none of those properties because usually if you need a garage with a house, you have to rent like a much bigger space. So. I found that demand's been extremely high because of that. Um, I've rented this suite twice now. I've had two sets of tenants and both times it was rented immediately with lots of inquiries. So they're, they're good properties. It's, it's kind of a weird niche again. It kind of fits a gap in the market. Do you have any other uh, garage suites or is this your only one? No, that's the only one. Um, I am looking to buy more, but they are, they're difficult uh, because they're too expensive to build right now. You probably know this. Uh, a lot of people think they're much cheaper than they actually are, but they're very expensive to build. Uh, at that point, the capital is usually better spent getting another property rather than build a, a suite. Um, so I'm looking at them on the resale market because on the resale market, they're actually good value. They're, you're paying less than what they cost to build. Um, so yeah, I'm still hunting for some of those. That sounds fair. Do you mind giving us like a ballpark approximately how much one could cost to be built? Yeah, it's actually really expensive. The last numbers I've heard now that, you know, cost of construction has gone up and everything. It's on the low end, you're usually looking around 250,000. Um, especially if there's no, like if you're not doing it with the new build, because you have to trench in utilities and all that stuff. It's it's a expensive process. Uh, and if you want a really nice like triple garage suite, it can be like in the 300s. So. I've heard uh, similar up here in Edmonton, so. Well, we're... <laughs> Not much better there. Uh, I think they're easier to build in Edmonton though, but doesn't make them cheaper, I guess. No, I, I think our zoning is a little bit more forgiving than your guys is currently. Yeah. So that's pretty much the only restriction there. So what did you, what are some of the things that you did learn from this deal? Yeah, um, well, one really big thing for me was that pr 
prior to this deal, I had bought deals that were pretty much market value, sometimes slightly below, but I never really believed that it was possible to find deals that were really like well below market value. So that, that was a big learning. Um, also like an important one was to not discount the communities around Calgary. Uh, and, and I was surprised in many ways with Airdrie, uh, like Airdrie, my tenant profile I expected would be working in Calgary. And so far that's not been the case. Like obviously there's a lot of people that commute to Calgary, but most of the tenants I've had so far actually work in Airdrie because there's a lot of industries there. Uh, I think a lot of people in Calgary forget about that, but there is, uh, like large employers that are right in Airdrie. So yeah, so that was something important to look at and, you know, like looking at those communities outside of Calgary is great. There's often less competition in some of those markets. Um, and the price to rent can be very interesting. Out of curiosity, how big is Airdrie? And what are, do you know some of the major employers there? Yeah, it's around 80,000 people. So it's actually a pretty large town by now. Um, and there, there are some very large employers. Uh, TransCanada, uh, like TC Energy has uh, like a service center there. It's kind of like their gateway to anywhere else out, out of Calgary for servicing. Uh, there's TC Energy, uh, sorry, uh, TransCanada Pipeline. Um, sorry, TransCanada Turbines. I always mix up TC Energy and TransCanada uh, uh, Turbines, which is a huge employer there. Um, there is Praxar, I think it's called. Um, and then they're very close to, to all the distribution centers that are on the north side of Calgary. So they're essentially just on the south side of Airdrie. So they're, they're, in, a, they're good in a good location for kind of like the blue collar jobs for the most part. Um, so yeah. The, <laughs> Sounds fair. Okay. So looking back on it, is there anything you would do differently on this deal? Not really, actually. This deal was pretty much a home run. I'd say I don't really have a whole lot of complaint about it. Now we can talk about one of my not so good deal uh, after this, but that, that deal was was pretty much a home run. So we're, we're really happy with it. Sounds fair. And uh, for those of you listening to the audio only afterwards, it looks like uh, Anthony has a... a uh, a new partner here yeah yeah i've got the cat that works with me on everything i do so <laughs> he's part of the podcast right now as well <laughs> that is awesome looks very soft by the way <laughs> yeah perfect so we'll switch gears here a little bit what's the worst deal you've ever done that was my first deal uh, i guess probably like a lot of people <laughs> uh when you're less experienced and uh, prone to make more mistakes so first deal i bought uh, it was my, my house hacking semi-detached. Uh, so it was a house from 1968 that was at the end of its, uh, maintenance cycle. So everything was just about to go wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, purchase price was pretty good, but needed a lot of work. Uh, it was also an illegal suite in a semi-detached, which at the time in 2012 was not possible to legalize. Uh, it's possible now to do it and it's been legalized since by the time it wasn't. So I purchased that house and in the first two years, I believe we had three flood uh, in the basement uh, from various sources. It's not like the same thing flooded again, like three different things flooded the basement. Uh, first one to like the insurance wouldn't pay for it. Uh, the roof started leaking. We had bad tenants. Uh, every, everything went wrong, right? And and like I said, it was at the end of its maintenance cycle, which I understand a lot better now. So everything was 
you know, right at that time where it was going to be starting to cause issues. Uh, the grading of the property wasn't very good, so we had water entering the basement. Uh, lots of things. Uh, I did my first re like big scale reno where I wanted to renovate the entire basement and a good part of the main floor. And uh, that reno went three times over budget and four times over the planned time. Uh, so it was a lot that went wrong. Uh, and it did pretty much all the beginning, which sucked at the time, but in retrospective was kind of nice because now anything is like good, right? Like yeah, I've kind of had the worst in the beginning. Now everything's fine now. Uh, but you know, it taught me something really important is that that property was not very good in, in everything that went wrong. However, if I look at the numbers right now today, it's my best performing property. And there's only one reason for that is that it's the one I've held the longest because I bought it 10 years ago, right? So real estate is great in that way where it's very forgiving if you hold the property. Over time, it will wipe out a lot of your mistakes and time in the market is more important than trying to time the market, right? Uh, like not that I bought at a horrible time, although it was end of 2012, so I only got like, you know, less than two good years before the, uh, the downturn in Alberta, but uh, Regardless, like even with all those mistakes, it turned out fine just because I've been holding that property for 10 years now. Great advice, by the way. Absolutely love it. Uh, I'm curious if, if you're okay with it, I'd like to dive into a little bit on your, uh, the water issues you had there. Yeah, for sure. What is grading and why was it a problem? Yeah, so especially in older properties, grading is extremely important. Uh, the reason why is the older properties don't have very good drainage systems in the foundations. Uh, for example, weeping tiles were not required at that time uh, as part of the building code, which normally weeping tile would be taking, uh, they're essentially tubes with holes in them uh, around the foundation. So they would be collecting water that's at the bottom of the foundation and uh, pushing it away to the city uh, drainage system. Um, these older homes usually don't have that, which means that if you have water collecting on your foundation, it's going to find a way to come in in some fashion, especially if you've got an older home, there's usually some cracks somewhere, even if they're small ones. So it's really important to keep the water away from the house. So one of the most important inspection we do now in our properties is every year we go around or well, a few times a year actually, and make sure there's no uh grading issues that the lot is going is pushing the water away from the foundation uh, especially close to the foundation you have to make sure that it's raised all around the house uh, that that's really important especially it changes year over year right you can have a great grading and in a few years it can sink in some areas so very important to maintain that it sounds fair uh you mentioned some issues with the roof there as well um do you know exactly what went wrong there yeah, well, it was a, an old roof. It was an original uh, tar and gravel roof from 1968. Uh, so it actually lasted a long time considering that it was like a 40 something year old roof at the time. Um, so it it was planned in my budget to replace it, but being a new investor and not having a lot of experience, I did not plan it would be this expensive uh, given it was a, a flat roof, right? Mm. Uh, and I did have the money aside for it. It, it just threw a wrench because it added to like everything else, right? It was that, the flooding, uh, which insurance didn't cover, uh, you know, like the Renault going over budget, like all these things combined together, so. Sounds fair. 
Um, do you find there is a big difference, as far as maintenance goes anyways, uh, between the flat roof and the sloped roofs? For sure. Actually, flat roof that has a light slope is already a lot better than like an actual flat roof. But you do have to be careful for sure with uh, the roof slope, because if you have a roof slope that's less than, I think it's around 416, uh, shingles are usually not going to work well. Um, and I've seen roofs that have low slopes with shingles, so those are very problematic. Uh, if you've got a low slope and it's it's using either torsion or tar and gravel, it's usually fine as well as it's maintained well. Uh, especially tar and gravel requires a little more maintenance to make sure that gravel is laid out everywhere and there's no spots that are exposed because uh, UV light is going to damage the, the roof. So they do require a bit more maintenance where shingles you pretty much kind of set and forget, right? So, Which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. And I mean, if it's a lower slope with shingles, you can do something called um, ice and water um, membrane, which helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're using the right, the right products depending on your, uh, on your roof slope. Absolutely. Water damming, uh, is what my textbook calls it, is actually one of the leading causes of water damage uh, here in Alberta. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I know the last one you mentioned there was uh, a tenant issue. Would you mind elaborating on that one? Yeah, for sure. So uh, that property, I did have a fair share of uh, experiences with tenants of all sorts. I mean, in, in the beginning, you know, you're, you're trusting people. You want to believe that everyone is, is a nice person and, and has good intentions, right? Um, and I, I did this in, in a way to help people, right? I wanted to provide a nice quality rental to tenants. So in the, in the beginning, even though everyone was telling me to do proper uh, background check, I wasn't doing credit check. You know, I, I would tell tenants I would do it, but I wouldn't actually do it. Um, I would, you know, rent to people based on gut feel, which is not a bad way. But in the beginning, you know, you don't really have anything, any previous experience to lean on. So I did have a, a variety of tenant issues. I've had some damage. I've had some people uh, not pay. Uh, I've had people move in unauthorized guests uh, or unauthorized uh, uh, pets. So that it's very important to be on top of these issues. Uh, and I know for me, it was hard in the beginning to be firm with my tenants. Uh, and one trick I found, uh, someone else gave me that trick, is in every property I have a partner, uh, even if I bought the property alone, uh, my tenants know that I have a money partner. And the reason for this is that when there's issues, you can be the good guy and that invisible partner can be the bad guy, right? So you can come to your tenant and be like, I'm really sorry, I know you're struggling with rent right now, but my money partner needs this to come in by the fifth. Like, if it doesn't come in by the fifth, he's gonna ask for an eviction. So then they're mad at someone that doesn't exist, right? Uh, so I found that was a little easier for me to, to be firm with them. Uh, and the thing too is they are your customers, right? They're your clients, you're running a business. You're not doing this as a hobby, they're not your friends. So, but as your customers, you need to treat them well, right? Same as you would do in a business. So you have to treat them well and fair, but you have to be firm, you have to enforce your rules. So that's something really important because the, the moment you don't enforce your rules and your leases, everything's going to go sideways, right? Like you might think like, oh, they're going to be late just for one month, but it's going to turn into three, four or five months. And then 
at that point, it becomes a lot more difficult to reel it back in. So you have to really be on top of those issues. Sounds like you and I have had some similar experiences. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. Eh? I'm, I'm sure uh, anyone with tenant for a while, I think, has had a variety of experiences, right? Fair yet firm. I absolutely love that advice, though. And I mean, to not scare anyone on the podcast, like, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, the vast majority of tenants are awesome. Like, at least nine out of them are amazing tenants, right? It's the one out of 10 you have to worry about, right? It's not like all tenants are bad. Like most of my rentals, I don't have to worry about them. They're paying on time. They're taking care of the place. They're amazing to work with. Like I actually even enjoy interacting with them. Um, you just have to make sure you filter for that, those bad apples. So yeah, those 10% of tenants give you about 90% of your headaches. So, oh yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> Sounds fair. So looking back at it, uh, what would you do differently on this deal? Yeah, so obviously I was lacking experience at the time. Um, one of the things I did not have in my toolbox that I think would have been very important is I did not work with a uh, investor-focused realtor. Uh, my realtor was experienced uh, as a realtor. He had done lots of transactions, but he didn't really understand rental properties very well. He didn't really understand what to look for for a good rental, how to run the numbers, uh, how to give me ad advice on how to get started with the whole process. Uh, so I kind of started from zero in, in that perspective uh, and also like definitely be more firm uh, with enforcing my roles on the tenant side uh, and doing better property inspection. Like I did do a property inspection, but really like accounting for, okay, what, it, not what is wrong today, but what is going to go wrong in the next like three to five years, right? Likely, because uh, you have to, you have to account for these things. If you're buying a property and the fridge is 20 years old and you know the water tank is like 15 years old, even though it's fine today, you have to account that in your budget that it's likely to go wrong. So and some properties, I mean, there's reasons why people are selling, right? And there's a variety of reasons. But one of them is if they're savvy. <laughs> if they're smart about it, they'll try to sell the time where they're at the end of their maintenance cycle, right? Because then they'll defer their maintenance cycle to someone else. So you have to know this going in. If you're buying at the end of a maintenance cycle, it can still be an amazing property, but you need to budget for it. And you need to make sure that you're buying the property at a price that makes sense with that in consideration. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that actually teach us in uh, appraisal um, is deferred maintenance has its own category for an adjustment. So. Uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you bring that up. Would you mind sharing how should people be looking for an investment-focused realtor versus just a realtor with experience? For sure. Uh, I mean, one of the first thing, and I'm sure there's good investment realtors out there that may not have their own properties, but try to find a realtor that does own rental properties. Uh, that's that's a very good first start to make sure that they will at least understand what you're going through, right? Uh, so someone that's walked the path before, uh, you know, has been through some market cycles. Um, someone that's been in the, in the industry, I would say at least with the last downturn in Alberta, because uh, that changes perspective a lot, right? Like we, we've we seen rents go down, which some markets don't often see. We've seen properties property values go down. So we kind of know um, what to look for in terms of uh, future-proofing investment and making sure that there's enough buffer in there for a downturn. Um, and uh, 
make sure that your investor focus realtor also has uh, time to allocate to you, right? Because if you're going to someone that uh, is working with, I don't know, let's say like hundreds of clients, they may not actually be able to spend time with you to look at the properties and run the numbers and all those side of things. So it's, it's a very different router that you'll be looking to find in a first home buyer or, uh, you know, just someone buying a, a home for themselves. So absolutely, absolutely. Great advice. So what are the, some, some of the lessons overall that you feel you've learned from this worst deal? Cash flow is king. Um, and the reason is that, you know, obviously like there's all these things that went wrong, uh, that were well beyond, well beyond my cash flow. However, one of the other things that went wrong is to, end of 2014 came in 2015 and in Alberta for the ones that are listening outside of Alberta we had a pretty significant downturn oil downturn uh, which dropped our rents from 20 to 30 percent in some cases Uh, so that cash flow was very important right Uh, I know people that had very limited cash flow you know 50 100 bucks per door when that downturn came in they became negative on all our properties which can be very dangerous in my case by accident, but you know, I learned that was an important lesson. I had a very healthy cash flow on that property. I was making, you know, around the seven, eight hundred dollar a month cash flow. So the downturn came in. I was still around like four or five hundred bucks a month, right? Like my cash flow was lower, but I was still fine. And cash flow is what will save you in the down market because you don't have to sell. Like you should never have to sell in the down market because that's obviously the worst time to sell. And it doesn't matter if property values are going down, but you can hold on to the property. Because we're going to go through those cycles again, right? That's the only guarantee is we'll go through down cycles at some point. We just don't know when. So as long as you make sure that you can cash loan those markets, you can hold on to the property and avoid selling in a bad time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. So what advice would you give to investors in your area who are looking to scale their business? Yeah, so right now we're in an interesting market. Um, as a whole, Canada has seen some fairly important price reductions. Calgary has seen very different and even in Montana, very different results from that. We're seeing very limited price reductions right now. Uh, our economy is still growing, um, through that. And even I was looking at some forecasts for, uh, a likely recession to come with the rates rising. Right. And in the case of Calgary, most economists are not seeing a recession here. They're seeing maybe a flat. Uh, growth for a little bit, but we're we're looking at getting a very different uh, outcome from that. So I think we, we're going to see really good opportunities in Calgary with less risk than some of the other markets. However, the inventory is also lower. So right now it's a little harder to find good properties, but there are some out there. So I would say if you buy and hold investors, it's a great time to buy. Uh, and it will continue to be, I think, over the, the next few months. Uh, if you're a flipper um, in this market, I would say to be very careful. Uh, there's still money to be made. Uh, it's still possible to flip. We work with flippers that are still having success right now, but you have to be much more conservative than you might have been a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do your flip and it doesn't turn out well, the market's not going to save you, right? So the only thing that's going to make you make money is your actual property uh, like forced appreciation. So, uh, so definitely be careful. It's personally not the strategy I would use right now, but like I said, we know flippers that are having good success right now. It's just more difficult, but buy and hold 
we're like we're still buying right i, I have a property under contract right now that i uh, purchased uh, last week still a great time in my opinion yeah you just got to change your strategy absolutely exactly adapt for the market right absolutely <laughs> great advice now, if it's okay with you, I'd like to switch into a potential new segment here. What are three things that people don't know about you personally? For sure. Um, I guess I'm pretty much laid out on social medias these days, uh, being a router. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Quebec and moved here 11 years ago. Um, I'd say one of the few things that maybe people don't know about me is uh, I used to be a uh, kind of a, like I used to be in IT, right? Like before I came into real estate, I, I was like kind of a computer geek, uh, you know, like doing network uh, consulting and, and stuff like that. Big video game, uh, like gamer at the time. So a lot of people don't know me for that part. I don't really have a lot of times for that anymore. Uh, but that, yeah, that's something that's not, uh, probably most people don't know about. It sounds fair. We're going to have to connect you with uh, Matt Cassidy, my my IT guy here, so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sounds good. So that's one. Is Are, are there two more you're up for sharing? Um, I think that's about it, because I mean, everything is out there now. So if you look me up, you'll find out a lot about me. <laughs> Sounds fair. Uh, apparently you have a very adorable cat here as well, so. Yeah, I've got two cats, two adorable cats. I've got, you know, this one for the ones that are in video, little black guy, and we've got a little white one as well. Okay. It's a little more shy right now. <laughs> Sounds fair. So they're they're my work buddy. They're they're always with me. You know, they come on my desk. They they help me get through the day. So <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So just before we wrap up here, where can people find out more about you? Yes, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, a little bit on Facebook as well. So my Instagram handle is investwithanthony.ca. Um, my real estate team, who I co-founded with Santosh Nathan, is Calgary reihub.com uh, so you can find us there as well uh, we're investor focused routers we mentioned we work together Santosh and I so if you work with us you get essentially two routers for the price of one because we share advice and we share our availabilities so yeah you can find me on there we're pretty active on those platforms sounds good and I hear you do a meetup in Calgary as well yeah we do a monthly meetup as well every third Saturday of every month uh, we do meet up. You can find uh, the information on our Facebook group, which is Calgary Real Estate Investor Hub. Uh, so if you look us up on Facebook, we put all our events on there. Uh, again, third Saturday of every month, the location changes sometimes, so make sure you double check on there. And we've got a great group of people. Like last event, we had about 30 people. Uh, very informal meetup, right? All, all we want to do, like we're not selling anything there. We're not pushing anything. It's really just people networking we're doing it for ourselves more than our business really like as investors right because we're learning from other investors as well that's awesome i'm glad to hear it i'll have to come down there one time here oh yeah for sure yeah you're welcome anytime we've got people coming from outside of calgary like red deer white court like all over white court okay yeah it's quite a drive okay sounds good well anthony thank you very much you're welcome thanks for having me